0: Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode I'll be discussing how Joe Biden wishes to build back better through buying American, how GOP Hawley files counter complaint with the Senate Ethics Committee against Democratic colleagues, how Biden's COVID relief plan could force taxpayers to fund homeless hotels in San Francisco, and how Portland's mayor may in fact be a fascist. But before we get started, why don't you go ahead and smash that like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and if you like what you hear, if you're liking what you're seeing, please contribute to the show at notsensuredyet.com donate. It'll allow us to grow and produce more consistent quality content free from outside influence. So let's get started. Today, we are getting to work to rebuild the backbone of America, manufacturing unions, the middle class. It is based on the simple premise that will reward work and not wealth in this country, Biden said in remarks at the White House. The key plank of the future will be made in America. This is a critical piece of building our economy back better and including everyone in a deal this time, especially small businesses that are badly hurting The economy, Biden said, and why are small businesses being hurt? 700,000 small businesses are permanently shut down due to these lockdowns, due to these COVID restrictions, mostly imposed by Democratic lawmakers. Um, they go on to say that President Trump signed a similar order a few months ago, but Biden doesn't believe that it went far enough, and tens of billions of tax dollars went towards uh, went to support foreign industries, and jobs. The reason we need to do this is America can't sit on the sidelines in the race for the future, Biden said. It's funny, sit on the sidelines. It sounds like he sat on the sidelines when he was uh, drafted for the Vietnam War and got a medical exemption for asthma, even though he was a star football player in high school. To ensure the future is made of America, we need to win not just the jobs of today, but the jobs and industries of tomorrow. We know that the middle class built this country, and we also know that the unions build the middle class. So let's invest in them once again. I guess we'll we'll invest in the middle class. We'll invest in the unions by pulling their permits and causing them to lose thousands of jobs. I understand green is the future, but as of now, fossil fuel Uh, fossil fuel industry is a mature industry the green energy is still in its infancy and you can't just shut down one industry and expect all those jobs to transfer over with nobody taking pay cut nobody losing jobs um, and that just being a clean process green energy is not mature enough yet for that to be a clean changeover in my opinion so, GOP's Holly files counter-complaint with the Senate Ethics Committee against Democratic colleagues. The idea that one senator who disagrees with another senator can therefore have that senator punished, sanctioned, censured, or removed is utterly antithetical to our democracy and the very idea of open, lawful debate, wrote Holly in a letter addressed to his seven colleagues. The Democratic senators and others argue that Holly and Cruz's objections helped spark the January 6th siege on the U.S. Capitol as lawmakers were certifying state election results to make Biden not fellow Republican Donald Trump, the winner of the 2020 presidential election. So I've heard arguments on both sides. So what they said may have incited the riot, but also... There's an argument to be made that they did not wish to overturn the election. They merely just wanted to have the evidence of the unconstitutionality of certain things be addressed on the public forum and have that televised to the nation so people can have a national conversation as to what is and what is not appropriate. Uh, going forward with our elections, just like in 2016, when certain things happen, we had investigations and we changed the way we kind of operated or allowed these tech companies to accept, uh, outside advertisements from other countries or they had to report it, blah, blah, blah. So, we also need to address are secretaries of state allowed to circumvent the state legislator in creating election laws, making it easier to vote or making it harder to vote? So, if it swings the other way, so this election made it way easier for certain groups of people to vote. What happens if that pendulum swings the other way? What happens if that pendulum swings to the point where they take away voting rights? They make it harder to get to the polls, they make it, they shut down polls, they make it harder to. Um, participate in the democratic process at that point, would you want to have the conversation and now that it would affect Democrats, would you want to have that conversation about secretaries of state being able to circumvent the legislature unconstitutionally and change election laws? or is it only or is it only something we need to talk about when you lose and conservatives win? And same thing for Republicans, Republicans need to go okay this doesn't look good. Even if we know we did something right, we need to address it. That way we can prove what we did was right. Same thing with the Democrats. But if this whole shut up, sit down, you are white supremacist" If you say anything about it, um, that's a no-go because you're just shutting down the conversation. You're shutting down the debate. If you're unable to articulate your points, if you're unable to communicate without having to call your coworkers a white supremacist on the daily, then perhaps you should find another line of work. Let's jump over to the Daily Wire. Biden COVID relief plan could force taxpayers to fund homeless hotels in San Francisco. One of President Joe Biden's executive orders... ...aimed at providing relief to victims of the novel coronavirus could put American taxpayers on the hook for multi-million dollar housing programs in places like San Francisco, California, programs these cities no longer want to fund themselves. Fox News reports that under the new order, certain kinds of emergency housing for the homeless are eligible to be fully reimbursed through September and that that may include the homeless hotel programs, which are costing San Francisco between $15 million and $18 million per month, which is nearly $200 million a year. That's bananas. President Biden signed an executive order Thursday that says certain kinds of emergency housing for the homeless, such as the hotels that San Francisco has leased during the pandemic, will be one hundred percent reimbursed by federal government until September, the San Francisco Chronicle said Sunday. That's a change from the Trump administration, which said it would pay for only seventy five percent of the cost, leaving the city on the hook for potentially for potentially millions of dollars every month. The monthly program costs Range from fifteen to eighteen million dollars. And I agree with Trump. So why should the federal government one hundred percent subsidize a city poorly ran city program? I understand COVID has made the homeless problem worse, and they need to go someplace like in the hotel. And the city thought it was a good idea, and Trump incentivized it by only they basically Trump incentivized them to create a better program, or to better find funding or find a more affordable solution by only funding seventy five percent. Once you fund it completely, if you one hundred percent fund it, they have no incentive to cut costs. They have no incentives to find something better. It's kind of like in the government. Um, so in the military, if you don't spend all your unit budget, they'll cut back your budget to say 90% the next year. So if you use 100% of your budget, they'll give you a few percent more that next year. So it's kind of the same thing. So by Trump saying, well, we'll only pay for 75%, they're, he's kind of forcing them to do more with less as opposed to, well, we're going to pay for everything. So why not them open the doors more or spend more money knowing that the biden administration is going to pay for everything biden's new order could offer a great deal of reassurance for san francisco which is currently sheltering more than 2200 homeless people in about 25 hotels san francisco officials are not sure where the money to pay for the hotels will come from but the chronicle um but, and tell the Chronicle that they're waiting for further guidance. City Controller Ben Rosenfield said that he and his team are still parsing the details on the, of the order and that he's waiting for more detailed guidance from FEMA before making declarations about how the program will be effective. One big issue, though, is whether the federal government will only pay for the hotel rooms going forward through September, a program that could cost taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars, or whether San Francisco can expect to be reimbursed for all expenses, even retroactive. Of expenses. That means taxpayers could be on the hook for the entire hotel program. So, if Biden's track record has anything to say, it seems like it'd be from going forward because he seems to have a problem with honesty. Remember those $2,000 checks we were supposed to receive are now only being $1,400 checks because we already paid for 600 and his his justification is 600 plus 1,400 is equals a $2,000 check. But that is a lie. A $2,000 check is a $2,000 check. It is not a $1,400 check. In addition to the incredible expense, taxpayers could be funding a program rife with problems. Residents of San Francisco's homeless hotels reportedly suffer from drug addiction from drug addiction and severe mental illness. Of course we know this, one of the leading causes of homelessness is mental health and drug addiction. And many have criminal backgrounds, according to the New York Post. And the thing with criminal backgrounds is a lot of times just the act of being so this is something I disagree with. And a lot of this is is due to Joe Biden's doing. But The 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 unfortunate act of being homeless is considered a crime in so many localities and you can be jailed for sleeping on the street. You can be jailed for panhandling for money. You can be uh, you have it harder to find a job. So once you find yourself in a position where you are homeless, it's extremely difficult to pull yourself out of that. Um, So usually if you if you allow yourself or you unfortunately find yourself homeless, it's extremely difficult to pull yourself out because I, when I had my first job working in a fast food restaurant, there was a homeless person trying to get a job. and, And basically the company said, unfortunately, we can't hire you because you don't have a mailing address. And the guy wanted to work. He's like, hey, look, I you guys pay well because in Texas, certain fast food restaurants, they pay at the time, you know, 10, 12 bucks an hour. They worked you like a dog, but you were still making 10, 12 bucks an hour as a 16 year old. And it was fine because you were doing it because you wanted to do it or some people had to do it. But the, the individual couldn't get the job because he didn't have a mailing address, which is bananas. In addition to the incredible expenses, oh, I already read that. Um, It's difficult to know for certain how bad conditions within these housing Within the housing is because the city has evoked emergency disaster law to keep the information private. Officials refuse to notify the public about what is happening in their community and are blocking the press from by withholding the list of hotels and preventing reporters from entering the properties. San Francisco has tried to move some of the homeless individuals out of the hotels at the end of 2020, but the plan failed when activists demanded that the city continue to provide free room and board for the homeless indefinitely. Indefinitely, that's. Where's the money supposed to come from? How long is the federal government supposed to subsidize this indefinite just handout to the homeless? New York City also has its own homeless hotels program. That program has left some NYC residents concerned for their own safety and demanding city officials find somewhere else to house individuals at risk of contracting coronavirus. because. Sometimes they would just put them in an empty apartment inside a building and the people who had already lived in the building saying, what's going on here? Why are they here? They shouldn't be here. Portland Mayor Pepper Sprays Man After a Confrontation at a Restaurant Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler reportedly pepper-sprayed a man who accosted him over the city's COVID-19 guidelines outside of a restaurant on Sunday. So I've heard multiple reports on this. So some of the anti-Antifa people are basically stating that uh, he was accosted by a member of Antifa because he's been getting harassed. He's been getting stalked. He's been getting doxxed. He got punched in the face by somebody from Antifa recently. So the I don't know who to believe, because honestly, the he hasn't been truthful, and journalists in general haven't been truthful, so it's really hard to say, but either can be true, to be honest, or I would believe both, I, whatever one ended up actually being true. A police report first reported by the Oregonian indicated that Wheeler was followed to his car by a man who was recording him on a cell phone and harassing him about an alleged violation of the city's rules. Wheeler told police that he attempted to respond to the man by explaining that the city coronavirus restrictions allow residents to be maskless while eating or drinking at a restaurant and warned him that he would be pepper sprayed if he did not back off, which he did not do, according to the report. Wheeler's office did not immediately return a request for Comment officials around the country have been targeted both uh, for both actual and perceived violations of their own guidelines put in place to prevent the spread of COVID-19 in nearby California. uh, Governor Newsom faces a recall campaign in part due to his apparent violation of COVID-19 safely uh, safety measures for gathering at the expensive French laundry restaurant. I don't understand why you would call a restaurant the French laundry. I've been to France, Uh, depending where you go in France, stinky people. I can only imagine how dirty their dirty laundry would smell, but as when it comes to this, if people actions have consequences, right? If you're going to create rules, you need to follow them. In fact, you need to make sure that you follow something more strict than the rules that you have the rival following. That way, they don't get upset. Because the problem is, it's not it's not just that Gavin Newsom out to eat after saying that people couldn't go out to eat indoors is he went to a restaurant where the reported bar tab for 12 people was like $20,000, right? So you have a bunch of people in a state losing everything due to the lockdowns. And he still has the nerve to go out to eat, breaking his own lockdown orders. Not only that, he tries to pretend like it's outside until the photos come out. And then he says, well, you know, sorry, I shouldn't have done it. But I think what really cut deepest was he went to one of the most expensive restaurants you can go to. You went to a place where each individual person's bar tab was more than a $1,000. How are you supposed to represent the people when you just spent more money in one meal than these people received from the government over the course of nearly a year? So, don't play that holier than thou game. And then, something I would like to find out is if Ted Wheeler uh, was the aggressor. If he, so if the gentleman was just following him, talking to him, following him with the cell phone, and Ted Wheeler busted out the pepper spray and assaulted him, um, I would like to see the gentleman press charges against the mayor for assault because. As Ted Wheeler is a public person, if the person's acting as a paparazzo of sorts, why shouldn't he be able to confront him, ask him questions? And if Ted Wheeler feels the need to, the urge to assault people, again, maybe he's not fit to be the mayor. And I would be super curious, if this person is a member of Antifa, would that make Ted Wheeler a fascist by attacking an anti-fascist? Because if you're against anti-fascism, anti-fascism, you must be a fascism. Or so, I believe Don Lemon so eloquently put it on CNN during the mostly fiery but peaceful protests last year on CNN. So that's it for now. I'm going to do more research. I'm going to drop another episode at a little before four o'clock. Until then, see see y'all later, friends. Bye. Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode, I'll be talking about Biden's awkward tiptoeing around answering whether or not he believes Chicago teachers should return to school. Uh, someone believes they're dunking on Trump and possibly the funniest way ever. Joe Biden on the pandemic. It's going to take a heck of a lot of time to beat it. Uh, I'll touch on something Andy No has brought up about. Uh, Portland Mayor's Ted Wheeler's latest hire. Uh, Breaking news from NewYorkPost.com. Netherlands on the brink of a civil war as rioters strike again over over COVID-19 curfew. And Derek Thompson brought this up today. If you're confused about the vaccine timeline, it means you're paying attention. Biden teams tamps down hopes for widespread coronavirus vaccine availability by spring. And then the next image, Pfizer Inc. will be able to supply the U.S. with 200 million COVID-19 vaccine doses by the end of May, two months sooner than previously expected, according to its top executive. In fairness, it's not easy for an incoming administration to communicate stretch goals and simultaneously be clear about realistic and worst case scenario timelines while the facts on the grounds are still changing. But I'm still confused. And you're right to be confused. He's right to be confused. I'm right to be confused. And why is that? Because we are seeing and hearing one thing we were promised another, and then we were being told something completely else by the media. We were told Trump's rollout of the vaccine that he did not have a plan, but obviously he did have a plan. If we were already rolling out a million vaccines a day, by the time Biden was taking office, there had to be a plan in place. So, Why is there so much confusion? Why is there so much orange man is bad? Everything Biden is Biden is doing is good, even if it's not meeting up to the high promises that he's made. But before we get to the next story, how about you smash that like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you'd like to contribute to the show, please go to notcensoredyet.com slash donate, where you'll find links available to contribute to the show to allow us to remain independent and produce quality, consistent content. So the thedailywire.com talks about Biden avoiding answering whether its teachers should return to schools now as Chicago Union defies orders. So here's a clip from that interview. Teachers union has refused they defied an order to return to in person classing for in person classrooms because of a lack of vaccinations. Do you believe, sir, that teachers should return to schools now I believe we should make school classrooms safe and secure for the students for the teachers and for the the help that's in those schools, maintaining the facilities. So that wasn't the question, but first I'm going to have to talk about Joe Biden is extremely winded for some reason. So he's been coughing a lot. He's super wheezy. He's, he's had the COVID vaccine. So what is going on with Joe Biden's health? I'm genuinely interested. This isn't me trying to dunk on him. This is a, why does it sound like he's in the middle of running a marathon while he's answering that question. And he's tap dancing around it. He's not talking about school safety. He's not talking about cleaning the lavatories. He's not talking about plans to do whatever. He's asking, should Chicago schools or Chicago government says, go back to work. These kids need to go back in the classroom. There's too many suicides happening, too much mental health issues going on. We need to get them back to school. They need to be socialized. They're social creatures. Kids are more social creatures than adults. Humans, adult humans, can deal with isolation a little better than kids because we have that armor plating of you know life experience, you know, going through trials and tribulations and all that stuff. Kids are still in developmental phases. That's why timeout was such a like such a bad, um, such a bad punishment as a kid, right? Because you were just alone to think about yourself as a kid, and you had no mental defense to that. Uh, The AP noted that district officials in Chicago have said that defying an order to to return to work amounts to an illegal strike. School officials have argued that remote learning isn't working for all students, including many low-income and Black and Latino students who make up the majority of the district, the AP reported. The district's safety plan includes thousands of air purifiers, more cleaning, and a voluntary testing program. So... Basically, Chicago is saying, hey, you guys need to get back to work. What you're doing is no longer legal. We're not authorizing this strike. You need to go to work. These kids need to go back in school because it is for their safety. At this point, I think the government of Chicago is saying, we don't care about your safety. We care about the safety of the children because we can see beyond the tips of our shoes. Because this is extremely important. If you stunt the intellectual and interpersonal growth of these students is going to have a lasting effect on their growth and it's going to affect them as adults and it could potentially affect them as parents. And it's something to keep in mind. Don't allow these teachers selfishness affect negatively affect the children. As teachers, you accept the sacrifice. You're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing pay that you may have gotten as doing something else as opposed to being a teacher to teach and mold and form the future generations. And now you're saying, well, they're not worth it. Those low income black and Latino students aren't worth it because I might get sick. And now the teachers unions has have the sads because they don't want to risk getting sick. They think their health is more important than the health of the students they teach. And I find that com- just very hypocritical and very selfish trump trolled with the worst presidential with the worst president ever banner flown near mar-a-lago former president uh trump golfs on first full day out of the office i don't understand why people are following him around trying to see what he does of course he's gonna play golf if he did that while playing president why is he not doing that after being president And why is it former President Trump golfs? Why why can't you just say retiree goes golfing? Because he's 74 years old. Trump is getting warm welcome from the skies near Mar-a-Lago today. That's from Daniel Ufelder. He's a lawyer. Trump, worst president ever. Trump, you pathetic loser, go back to Moscow. And honestly, if you think you're dunking on him because of that, he needs to get a plane, get a banner that basically flies. Hey, at least I was the president. He was an OG Twitter troll. I'm sure he can find something extremely clever to come up with and just basically dunk on whoever did that. So, Peter Ducey asks a tough question of Biden. Let's hear that. Mr. President, uh, so you just said that you think within three weeks or so, we'll be at the point where there are a million vaccines per day, but it seems like... No, I think we'll get there before that. I said, I hope, I misspoke. I hope we'll be able to increase as we go on until we get to the million five. Ah, oh, so fact check missing context. He misspoke and actually meant a million five. So, fact check false, friends. Day, that's my, exp- my hope. And then, my, the follow-up to that would be uh, now that you're president, and you're saying there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months, what happened to two months ago when you were talking declaratively about I am going to shut down the virus? Well, I'm going to shut down the virus, but not I never said I'd do it in two months. I said it took a long time to get here. It's going to take a long time to beat it. And so we have millions of people out there who are who have the virus. We're just, for the first day, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, and then he talks about people not wearing the mask enough, people that weren't following the guidelines around New Year's and Christmas, and how that was negatively affecting the numbers and how the numbers are now going down for the first time. And he's right, the numbers are going down. But remember, the numbers are also going down and the test is less sensitive. So things that would have been a false positive is no longer a false positive. It's most likely just a negative now. You make the test the 10 cycles less sensitive, it's going to pump out less positives. Just that's science, whether you like it or not. I'm not even a scientist, and I understand that concept. But Ducey brings up a good point. He says, you made these bold promises. You said you were going to crush the virus. And now you say, well... It's going to take longer than two months. Well, how long is it going to take? Because when Trump said, well, it's going to take time, everybody busted his coin sack because they said it's just taking too long. Trump kept making mistakes at the beginning, and he did keep making mistakes at the beginning. And one of the biggest mistakes he made was not firing Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci makes more money than President Joe Biden does through his salary in the White House. And not a lot of people know that. And So my issue with that is, if he was the most competent person, if he was extremely competent at what he does, he would go from that government position into a corporate job making millions of dollars. But he's probably not a competent individual, and that's why he works in the government. That's the way it works. Most corporate bureaucrats or government bureaucrats are not competent enough to be at an equivalent position in the private sector, unless you are a general or something in the typically you see that with your cabinet level picks you see that with generals in the military um but even then those people are groomed when they're you know young in their 30s and 40s and then by the time they're in their 50s and 60s that's when they have a lot of power that's why you have the new secretary of defense i believe was on the board of Raytheon up until recently so Dr. Fauci, I don't believe, is actually competent enough. People say he's the top expert in his field. I don't believe so. I just think he's the top bureaucrat in his field. The top expert in their fields are probably going to be at the universities. They're going to be at these corporations. The individuals making millions and millions of dollars doing the same exact job Fauci does. But they work for a private corporation and they work their way up through capitalism, through basically proving that they're the best person for the job, as opposed to the person who's been in the job for, uh, geez, like 40 years. He's been advising presidents. Basically, he's been at the top. He's been advising presidents since Ronald Reagan. So what is that? 35 years he's been at that job since he's been at the top. That's ridiculous that he makes that much money. He's had that job for that long. And people want to take his word as oak, like nothing he can do no wrong. There's a weird fetishization that's going on with him. Basically, people sexualizing Dr. Fauci because of whatever. Now that Fauci's free, he's Fauci unchained. But they forget. Fauci at the beginning said, don't wear a mask. And then he said, well, I lied about wearing a mask because we needed that for healthcare workers. And then he said, well, I think we need this amount for uh, herd immunity for vaccines. And he said, well, actually I lied about that. I think we are going to need more vaccines because I lied about that. And it's actually probably going to be a higher number. So he doesn't have the best track record with, with honesty. And worst yet, he doesn't acknowledge the fact that he said something different in the past. He's like, He doesn't acknowledge that he says something different. He's like, "Well, this every day it seems to be. He wakes up and whatever he does is that's his history. There is no past. It's only the present, which is pretty zen, and is probably why he probably can deal with the avoiding mental dissonance. But every every time he shifts position, he never acknowledges that he held that opposite position just a few days before that. So, I feel that." The um, the glorification, the uh, deification of Fauci really needs to stop. People need to acknowledge he's a government bureaucrat. He's not there because he's the best. He's there because he's been there the longest. He's the best at being. He's the best at squatting and not leaving. Uh, Andy No reports Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler has hired former Portland Mayor Sam Adams to his staff. Adams was elected in 2009 and was embroiled in a controversy when it was revealed he had relationship had a relationship with an underage boy. And I feel like, well, that it's not completely true. The top uh, tweet actually said that. Uh, so the issue, what it looks like to have happened, was. Uh, Once they did the investigation, CNN reports that they couldn't prove anything, that basically anything inappropriate happened before the kid turned 18. So basically the boy turned into a man, but it looked extremely inappropriate. It looked as if a 40-plus-year-old man was grooming a 17-year-old minor, and then as soon as that minor turned 18, then they started having a sexual relationship, and that's basically – a questionable thing. Do you want somebody in your government? Do you want someone who has a history of doing that while in positions of power back in a position of power? You know, once you do it the first time, you're likely to do it again because people with power tend to uh, do things like that. If they have those sorts of um, urges, I suppose. Netherlands on the brink of the civil war as riders strike a- uh, again over COVID-19. Curfew. Anti-lockdown protesters in the Netherlands set fires, looted stores, and fought with cops for a third consecutive night of rioting after a strict curfew was imposed, with a mayor warning the nation was on our way to civil war. At least 184 people were arrested during Monday night's ongoing riots, as at least 10 cops were injured, as some police in some cities fought back with water cannons and tear gas, officials said. So far, rioters have struck in at least 20 cities and towns across the Netherlands since Saturday, when the nation was forced into its first curfew since World War II, so like in 75 years. That's bananas. We haven't seen so much violence in 40 years, Cohen Simmers of the Police Trade Union, NPB, said on, t- on the television program News Hours. Monday's violence left a uh, trail of looted shops and burned cars in cities including Rotterdam, the Hague, and the capital, Amsterdam, as well as a town close to it, Harlem, according to the agent's front's oppressive. Uh, So here you see the police arresting a man or at least detaining a man. His forehead's all cut up and there's blood all over the ground. Uh, With facial cuts, it's really hard to say if that's like a deep cut, if that's a major injury, he's sustained. Maybe it could just be a superficial wound, but face wounds tend to bleed a lot. So it's again, it's just hard to say how rough. The police were uh, you see a KFC all beat up. I guess some people wanted some chicken. You see a motorcycle or a Vespa on fire. Uh, you see the police with looks like uh, riot shields or trash can, um, uh, trash can lids, holding that up. A uh, large group of riders see confrontation with the police, pelting them with stones and fireworks on uh, the Rotterdam. And then the article talks about the other civil unrest happening in other countries as well. In Denmark, demonstrators hurled rocks and fireworks at police with five people arrested over the weekend in Copenhagen with marchers chanting. We have had enough in Spain, more than 1000 protesters gathered in Madrid, prompting police to issue more than 200 citations. The express said Spanish demonstrators held signs reading. We want to breathe and COVID 1984. The newspaper said that one's pretty, uh, Pretty creative, I'm not going to lie. Um, but they're also talking about in the in the Netherlands that hey, this isn't protesting; these are just people rioting and looting, and these are just thugs. Basically, a lot of things, a lot of a lot of similar things I heard or didn't hear last year in the United States, but I'm now hearing this. They talk about freedom and dictatorship, but in the meantime, they are demolishing the shops and the station here. They're setting fires in the police station at. The station. We're on our way to a civil war. So it's definitely interesting what's going on in Europe. People think that the anti-mask, anti-lockdown thing is just an American thing that is just, oh, my freedoms, right? No, it the world worldwide people are having enough. Enough. When is enough enough? When is enough suffering? When are enough jobs lost considered? enough for us to go back to work? Is it until all the small businesses are destroyed and we're forced to work for some corporation or forced to work for the government? Because then we'll have our socialized healthcare, then we'll have X, Y, or Z, and then we'll have our unionization because we're only working for the company or the government. So it's really hard to say. You have your the um, make, make COVID uh, 1984 and COVID 1984 um you know, you definitely have what looks like the police state developing around implementing these COVID-19 lockdown measures, you know, of, you know, hey, have if you see your neighbor having a party, call the police and we'll have them come over. We won't tell them that you narked on them. And it's like, bro, like. Why are you incentivizing like spying on your neighbors? That's what they did in World War II. People would hold cups up to their ear up against the door or up against the wall to listen, to see if their neighbors were listening to, I think, BBC radio to find out what was going on beyond the borders of Nazi Germany. And they would tell on their neighbors and their neighbors would get to some get sent to some sort of Nazi concentration camp. So. Let's not incentivize spying on our neighbors. Not Let's not incentivize the government taking more power than it already has. It has a lot of power, and we're only giving them more by allowing them to do things like this. And violent riots like this and things like the Capitol riots give the government more. Uh, the basis to request or demand more power, which is also an extremely scary thing. That's why so many people believe there's false flag operations so the government can request more power. Like I said, it's really weird that from a lot of the people from the Capitol, there's individuals that are not facing bail. There's people with charges being dropped and you see even the leftists on twitter going what the heck is going on i thought these people were terrorists and this that and the other why are they being let go on bail and then they just kind of disappear and you don't hear about that case and that case gets dropped what's going on what's going on around the world why does it seem like all these things are happening with all these governments at once you had the new york state bill talking about camps and then you have germany saying oh we have camps and all these things are being similar all the build back better talk you know, you can go into the rabbit hole, I suppose, but the thing to keep in mind is the governments around the world are enjoying the power that they're basically have been given during COVID or that they have taken during COVID, right? Because we, the people uh, authorize the government to use a certain amount of power. But during COVID-19, the government basically said, we don't need your authorization. We are going to tell you what's best for you. So now that they have that power, the, government's never ge- the government has never given back power to the people. We've been in a state of emergency nonstop since 9-11, I believe, in one way, shape, or another. That's why we have the Patriot Act still going on today, and they want to enable some sort of Patriot Act from what happened at the beginning of the month. So I'll leave you with this. Don't trust the government to basically use power or to take power in a time of crisis and then give it back after the crisis. They're going to keep that power and then either find a new crisis as in there's a war or a new threat. Because now that militant Islamic terrorism is no longer a number one priority of the U.S. population, now U.S. domestic terrorism and white supremacy is the number one threat. So we need to do a Patriot Act 2.0 so we can track and spy and gather intel. And we need to label them as whatever. We need to be able to detain anybody we disagree with. We can just label them this. So... It's a slippery slope, friends, and it's something that everybody needs to keep in mind. People need to be cognizant of because eventually you're going to find yourself in the position where you're going to be the ideological opposition of the party in power. Do you want to give the government more power that it already has, or do you want to say, hey, government, that's enough? I'm of the government already has enough power. The government is already spinning more than enough money. I'm being taxed as I make money, as I give money, as I give money to a friend, as I own a house, as I have a car, as I pump gas, as I buy food. Every time I do something, I am being taxed. What more does the government want from me? It is too much. But that's it for today, friends. If something breaking or insane happens because the past couple of days have been bananas. I'll post something later tonight. If not, I'll see you all in the morning. Have a good one, friends. Later. Bye. Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. Today I'm going to be talking about internet censorship. The change of tone coming from California. I'll also be discussing masks, and I'll lightly touch on the Senate filibuster. But before we get started, why don't you go ahead and smash that like button? Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and if you'd like to contribute to the show, please go to notcensoredyet.com/donate. You'll find links available where you can help us grow and produce more consistent quality content. So let's get started. Here is a tweet thread from Caitlin Johnstone. There has been a purge of left-wing accounts from social media, with socialist organizers being targeted on Facebook and multiple Antifa-associated accounts suspended from Twitter. The World Socialist website also reports the following. On Friday, Facebook carried out a purge of left-wing anti-war and progressive pages and accounts, including leading members of the Socialist Equality Party. Facebook gave no explanation why the accounts were disabled or even a public acknowledgement that the deletions had occurred. And why is that important? Because, well, I was going to make a joke about who bans the anti-fascists, most likely fascists, but that's probably uh, hitting the nail on the head. Uh, But I will say this. If you keep banning everybody the establishment does not like, it's eventually going to go from far right to far left, moderate right to moderate left, center right to center left, and then you'll be left with the establishment. And you are seeing that happen right now, and there's a reason why people were shouting from the rooftops, even on the left, saying, I don't understand why you are celebrating this because it will eventually come for us. The New York Post reports the following. Twitter has suspended several popular accounts with alleged ties to Antifa, which have more than 71,000 followers combined following the Inauguration Day riots. And why would that why would they do that? I thought Antifa was not involved. I was told it was a strictly right wing issue. At least four accounts tied with the militant group have been yanked offline, including the base BK, the account for the Anarchist Center in Bushwick Brooklyn, I believe that is the bookstore that they use as like a training ground for Antifa members. This follows a mass purge of right-wing accounts in the wake of the Capitol riot earlier this month, a swing back of the censorship pendulum that surprises nobody who knows anything about anything. That purge was broadly supported by shit libs and a surprisingly large percentage of the true left, despite the overwhelming and growing pile of evidence that it is impossible to consent to internet censorship for other ideologies without consenting to censorship for your own. And that, apart from the, you know, um, vulgarities in that sentence, that is a very well thought out sentence, right? So if you consent to somebody else's, rights being taken away, you are consenting to your rights being taken away as well because eventually you're going to find yourself into that position. You will find yourself as the opposition to some ideology. And that's actually what I'm going to be talking about when it comes to the Senate filibuster here in a little bit. I encountered many arguments in support of the right-wing purge from the online left while it was happening, and none of them were good. They're only banning fascists, they told me. Why are you defending the fascists? In reality, these social media giants have never claimed to be banning fascists, and there's no reason to believe that their policy, white nationalists like Richard Spencer, are still there. So, it's strange, too, right? So, you're banning fascists, but you are they still have the Iranian Mullah on there, they have the CCP on there touting how good it is that they're sterilizing Uyghurs because they want to keep their population low to bolster the Chinese population. They want to make sure that they don't have a rise in that minority population. And even if these outlets did have a policy of banning fascists, what is the definition of fascist or What definition of fascist are they using? Do proponents of Silicon Valley censorship believe they'll be using their personal definition of fascism to determine whose political speech is off limits? Do you think they'll be calling you personally to consult with you on whom to ban? How do you imagine this works exactly? And I agree basically 100% on this. I'd say 90%. But you can't. The problem with fascists is... Everybody's a fascist right now. Everybody who, is, who didn't vote for Biden is being called a fascist. And that's bananas. Imagine calling all those Mexicans down on the border of Texas, which was a Democrat wall, basically along the border between Texas and Mexico, that all, vo- that all flipped their vote red. Imagine calling them fascists. And maybe they just said, hey, we... Benefited from all this stuff that Trump has been doing. We were making more money. We were X, Y, and Z. And we felt like Trump was the better candidate. Does that make them a fascist or does that make them someone who basically voted with their pocketbook? I wouldn't call them a fascist because that would just be blatantly ignorant. They always censor the left, they told me. We're just happy that now they're censoring fascists too. So you imagine it can't get worse. We just saw a major escalation against leftist leftist accounts these past few days. Do you think that's the end of it? What do you imagine will happen if the left ever gets close to actually threatening the interests of the powerful after you helped manufacture consent for the normalization of Internet censorship every step of the way? That's true. If you cheer it on, eventually that leopard's going to eat your face. It can always get worse. The online left has not yet experienced mass-scale censorship of political speech yet. It's experienced losing a few accounts here and there, you haven't seen anything yet. Some Twitter leftists really seem to think that getting suspended because Kamala Harris supports mass reported them or Kamala Harris supporters mass reported them over a mean tweet is as ugly as this thing will get. If your goal is to threaten power at some point, And if you're a real leftist, it should be, then you need to oppose the normalization of any policies that can be used to silence those who threaten the powerful. And that's what I've been saying the whole time, friends, because these useful idiots who have been cheering on the censorship are eventually going to be the threat to the establishment because they are the loud voices rattling the cages, basically allowing the new establishment to take power to gain hold in the government. Well, it's not like leftist revolution will be planned on social media anyway, they told me. You don't use social media to plan the uh, leftist revolution. You use it to create more leftists. And that's true. Well, I mean, you create it to create a safe space where people can talk and then you can invite people to the group and they'll adopt your ideology. You use it to bring consciousness and understanding to your ideas and your causes. Consenting to the uh, institutionalization of the censorship of political speech is consenting to your own silence on this front, which will mean... The only people who will be able to quickly share ideas and information online with the mainstream population will be those who support the very power structures you oppose. And make no mistake, the imperial narrative managers most certainly do not need the public's consent for internet censorship. They don't pour vast fortunes into manufacturing consent for evil agendas because it's fun. They do it because they require the public's consent. The empire's inverted totalitarianism only holds together because they're able to maintain the illusion of freedom and democracy the iron-fisted silencing of wholesome political speech can only happen if the public has paced in, or has been paced into believing it's a good thing every step of the tightening of the censorship noose is a part of this pacing and if you consent to it you're helping them this is it right there this is the goal Trying to narrative-manage people into conformity didn't work, so now they're working to reinstate the supremacy of mainstream gatekeepers. Matt Taibbi quotes, or she quoted Matt Taibbi, ultimately this consent moderation movement will restore a system where the only allowable route to a mass audience is through a major institutional partner. Basically, the establishment. When you realize that corporations are America's real government, the whole, it isn't censorship if it's a private company doing it argument is seen for the joke it is. To support the censorship of online speech is to support the authority of monopolistic speech or tech oligarchs to exert more and more global control over human communication. Regardless of your attitude towards Whoever happens to be getting to platform on any given day, supporting this can only be self-destructive. So basically, you're, by supporting internet censorship, you're you're allowing the tech companies, you are allowing the government. And this is my biggest problem, actually, because a lot of people don't remember this. And this only happened just a couple months ago. You had Democrats, in basically, their talking points in election were, we're going to we're going to regulate big tech to death because they're allowing conservatives to have a voice. And we don't believe conservatives should have a voice. So what happens after the election? They start calling for conservative voices to be, de-flat- uh, to be deplatformed. And big tech says, well, if we, I know we probably shouldn't deplatform them. But if we deplatform them, maybe the Democrats will forget their promise of regulating us to death. And so they go through with that deplatforming and then the politicians cheer it on. So I, so my problem with the whole private business thing that people like to tweet and they like to Facebook is they don't know what they're talking about. So yes, Twitter is a private business. Facebook is a private business. But when you have a government official threatening that corporation to regulate them into the toilet or to break them up because they're sort of a monopoly, they have a cornerstone in the market, they, they're basically saying, you do what we tell us to do, or you do what we tell you to do, or we will end you. And so it's not like a recommendation, it's they're threatening that company to do something with the government with the power of the government behind them so it's no longer a a private company doing something on their own they're basically just doing the dirty work for the government without the government having to do the dirty work so let's go on to the next story Uh, conservatives are suspicious after california governor newsom eases lockdown following biden inauguration California Governor Gavin Newsom has lifted his state's partial stay-at-home order, permitting some dining and services... To resume. With cases only beginning to drop, conservative commentators accused him of playing politics. Newsom announced the decision on Monday after an, an official in his administration sent a letter to restaurant owners revealing the plan. All counties in the state will return to a tier based system of restrictions, with outdoor dining and indoor salons allowed to reopen in purple tier areas. Newsom's decision was met with cynicism by conservatives who accused the Democrat governor of waiting until Joe Biden's inauguration to lift the ban. Now that the economic shutdown could no longer be used to hurt former President Biden. And then it's just a bunch of tweets from people basically saying, oh, five days after Biden's inauguration, California is reportedly ending its stay at home order and opening back up bars and restaurants. Timing is probably just a coincidence. That was from Clay Travis. Democratic leaders and multiple states have rolled back their coronavirus restrictions in the weeks since Biden took office. Michigan, Illinois, and Washington, D.C. all eased their virus prevention measures in recent days. However, Newsom likely had other political reasons to lift the order. His lockdown was miserably unpopular, and at least 723,000 Californians have signed a petition to recall him from the governor's mansion in response. Should the petition uh, should the petition gather 1.5 million names by March 17th, Newsom's continued tenure as governor would go to a ballot. California is currently reporting around 20,000 cases of COVID-19 per day, down from a record of 62,000 in December. Whoa! So I didn't realize it was that bad. 62,000 cases a day in California, and they had some of the most just ridiculous lockdowns when the stay at home order was first issued deaths are still higher now than they were in early december well that makes sense because it lags about two weeks behind and with only a glimpse of recovery on the horizon some covid concerned commentators or commenters accused newsom of lifting restrictions to save his own skin at the expense of public health And something else that people are mentioning is the data that Newsom used to initiate this lockdown or even to lift this lockdown. Um, At the beginning of the whole pandemic, Newsom stated that all the information was going to be made public. That way he could be as transparent as possible. But I think starting around November, December, he stopped giving that information to the public, became a closed book and said, well, I don't want to to create Confusion. And then you have scientists basically say, Why do you believe you would create confusion? We can just look at the numbers and then go, Well, probably in a couple of weeks we'll be opening up. It's okay, guys. It's, it's just stay relaxed. Things are, you know, things are bad. Things are going to get better. Things are looking up. But he just became a closed book and just it ticked a lot of people off. And that's why he's halfway towards being recalled as a governor. Let's jump to the next story. Here's a tweet from Drew Holden. I'm starting to think we didn't handle this whole mask wearing things perfectly. Here's a, a, a news article from CNN. Masks can't stop the coronavirus in the U.S., but hysterica has led to bulk buying, price gouging, and serious fear for the future. And then fast forward to yesterday, January 25th. Wearing two masks instead of one is probably more effective to stop the spread of the coronavirus. That's bananas. So an article from dailywire.com, Dr. Fauci again changes mask-wearing recommendations. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who early in the pandemic said Americans need not wear masks has once again changed this recommendation. Fauci, an immunologist and director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, who served on President Trump's White House Coronavirus Task Force, is now President Biden's chief medical advisor on COVID-19. Now says wearing two masks is likely more effective than wearing one. If you have a physical covering with one layer and you put another layer on top of it, just makes common sense that it'll likely be more effective. That does not sound very scientific at all. It's like, oh man, if I put one blanket on and I put another blanket on, I would be more likely to be warm if it was cold outside. Back in March, Fauci said, there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and there might even might even block a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think it is, the doctor said on CBS News. But the response to the virus has been evolving since then, which makes sense. So. Fauci even admitted that he kind of lied he didn't want the PPE to be taken from the hospitals. Soon after Fauci made his comments, experts, including the CDC, said uh, Americans should wear masks, citing estimates that 40 percent or more of those infected were asymptomatic but could still spread the virus. And that's even where Fauci has flip-flopped on. He said that you are uh, asymptomatic, spread isn't a thing. Then he says it's a thing. Then he says it's not. So it's really hard to say. The Times cites Lindsey Marr, an expert in virus transmission at Virginia Tech, who said, if you combine multiple layers, you start achieving a pretty high efficiencies of blocking virus from exiting and even entering the nose or mouth. Of course, there's a drawback. We run the risk of making it too hard to breathe. The CD says COVID19 sa- or the CDC says COVID-19 spreads mainly from person to person through respiratory droplets. Respiratory droplets travel into the air when you cough, sneeze, shout, or sing. These droplets can then land in the mouths or noses of people who are near you, or they may breathe these droplets in. And the federal agency now says that a cloth mask also offers some protection to you too. How well it protects you from the breathing in the virus likely depends on the fabrics used and how your mask is made. The CDC is currently studying these factors and says more valuation is needed. But if you don't wash your mask, then it's probably not going to work as well as even just your cheap disposable medical masks that you can buy from Walmart. All right, and let's touch on the filibuster real quick. The Senate's record-breaking gridlock under Trump President Donald Trump is facing more delays to his nominees than any previous president, and if Joe Biden beats him, the former vice president might get it even worse. The Senate's confirmation process is nearly broken, and the numbers show its race to the bottom. George W. Bush faced the most procedural hurdles and filibusters to his nominees until Barack Obama was elected and faced historic blockades. Then Trump came along and became the record holder and just part of a term. According to Politico, analysts or analysis of Senate votes. It's the latest glaring sign of Senate's dysfunction showing just how difficult it has become to staff up an administration, and it's hard to imagine that Republicans will go easy on Biden if he wins, even as both parties decry the trend. It's a major concern, having gone through a couple of these confirmations myself, said Senator Ron Portman, who faced little opposition when confirmed to be Bush's budget director, and top-trade diplomat. We've got to figure this out. If you do it on one side, it tends to happen on the other side. And here are the under-Trump procedural delays in Senate are skyrocketing. skyrocketing. The president faces an increasing number of filibusters on nominee on nominees accelerating a recent trend. So I tried searching for the total number of filibusters that are, had occurred during the Trump presidency, and I couldn't find it. I could just find this article just about his political appointees. So you can see Bush had 39. So Clinton had 15 um, that they needed a cloture vote, so they needed 60 votes. Uh, Bush had 39. Obama had a whopping 175. But then in 4 years trump managed to achieve 314 votes so what people fail to realize is the issue with the with the packing of the courts not even the packing of the courts but just the republicans being able to shove judges into the courts in the past 4 years it's the democrats fault the democrats changed the rules not for the supreme for the supreme court but for just normal judicial nominees and normal cabinet picks Right. So they had a they dropped it down to the nuclear option. You just needed 51 votes. And so they did that. Mitch and Mitch McConnell, when he became the Senate Majority Leader, he was trying to get Supreme Court nominees in. He said, you know what? You guys changed the rules before. We'll just match the Supreme Court with the normal court because why should it be any different? And so there's a lot of complaining about things when it comes to that. And so if the Democrats get rid of the filibuster and just cram legislation down people's throats, there's going to be a backlash amongst conservatives and you're going to see a red wave, whether you like it or not. And that red wave is going to bring in a whole bunch of new senators, a whole bunch of new people in the House, and they may not re-implement the filibuster because you know what? Why should they? You took that right away from them. And I believe even Kevin McCarthy uh, comp- was complaining about the new House rules where the minority party was stripped of its voice. It was stripped of a lot of its influence that it could basically uh, tout on the, on the floor of the House. Um, and he said a lot of these rights that you took away were the rights we gave to you after you had taken them away before. Then the Republicans became the party in power in the House and then they graciously said you know what democrats we'll be the bigger people we'll give you those those rights and protections and then as soon as that um the party uh party margin is only 6 votes Now the Democrats don't want any chance for the Republicans to be able to fight them on bills, so they take that right away. And it's disturbing because all it's going to do is just create more animosity. It's going to take away from that unity. It's going to make people more divisive because you're going to have individuals who say, why why should, I, why should I allow you to have a filibuster if you're going to take it away from me? I'm not going to give it back to you once I'm in power. And guess what? You're not going to like those two years when that happens. So I think it's just going to be a self-destructive game of who can race to the bottom first. So that's it for now. I'm going to post this up. I'm going to do more research here in a little bit, and I'll post up another video in a couple hours. See y'all later. Bye.